we are doing a series at the moment that um, we've been doing for five months, and the series is called Holy Following Christ. And what this series has been trying to do is for these last five months, and we've got one month left, one last piece left, what we've been trying to do is Jesus says in John, He says, I have come to give you parisos Zoe. I've come to give you abundant life. I've come to give you a satisfying life. And that's something for now. That's something for here. Jesus is promising a, a life to have in this time and in this space with Him. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, when we are on His way and we're walking in His truth, we end up with His life. And so what we've been trying to do is for five months now, we have been looking at different facets of Jesus's literal life lived, looking at Christ's life as He lived it. Five facets uh, six facets, sorry. And, and we've been looking at them to have a closer look at what each of these facets does. As we ourselves want to imitate Him, we need to know the kind of life we're imitating. So we've been working our way through this, um, this little diamond here. We've been looking at the different facets, like the diamond has facets, so our life with Christ has facets. So we started with the Spirit-empowered life. So that was a long time ago now. That was quite a while ago. There's quite a few sermons ago. But we talked about the Spirit-empowered life. Christ was empowered by the Spirit. So we talked about that. Then we came across to the Word-anchored life. We talked about the fact that Christ was Word-anchored. He was a man of the Scriptures. He's a man of the Bible man of the Torah, man of the Psalms, a man of the prophets. Like he was, he was in that story. That was his story. And so we too need to be word anchored people. And then we started talking about the consecrated life, this holy life, the set apart life as we sang tonight, you know, I choose to be holy, set apart. That's the consecrated life. Christ was set apart. And then we talked about the compassionate life. We spent a month talking about this thing of being compassionate people and uh, being people of compassion into the world. And now for the last month, so all of November, um, we've been talking about the prayer-filled life, this life of prayer that Christ had, and that we too are to have a life of prayer. So we've covered a lot of terrain. There's been a lot in there. There's been a lot of stuff that hopefully has been uh, getting you thinking and getting you engaged. But also I hope there's been a lot of stuff that's been speaking to your soul and uh, helping you in your own life of walking with Jesus. Um, and tonight, as we finish, um, we're going to be finishing the prayer-filled life. And then we're going to start the incarnational life next week as we head towards Christmas. See what we've done there? Some of you are like, I don't know what you've done there. Um, what we've done there is Christ became flesh at Christmas, became incarnation, uh, John chapter one. And so we're going to walk as our Advent journey, the incarnational journey. Brilliant. That's just, that is just brilliant right there. Yeah. Thank you. And then that'll be the end of our six month journey of talking about how to wholly follow Christ. And so, um, yeah, we hope that this has been helpful. So tonight I want to start with a reading, as we always do. We want to come to the, the words of Scripture together. I want to invite you to stand, Itu, and uh, as we stand, we posture our bodies to honour and glorify God's Word. And tonight I'm going to read a whole chapter, so buckle in. But it is chapter 17 of John's Gospel. And for those of you who know it, you'll know this is a moment when Jesus prays for others. Uh, we've, we've looked at the Lord's Prayer over the, the first couple of weeks of this facet. Now we're going to one of Jesus's prayers and this is Him praying. And so these are the word of, this is the Word of God for us today. John chapter 17, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and He said, Father, the hour has come. 
Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one that you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So now, Father, bring me into the glory that we shared before the world began. For those of you who were here last week and heard Strawn talk about this thing of the Trinity, there's the Trinity playing out there in John 17. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. And now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message that you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me and I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I've given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but to keep them safe from the evil one they do not belong to this world any more than I do make them holy by your truth teach them your word which is truth just as you sent me into the world I am sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth I'm praying not only for these disciples but also for those who will ever believe in me through their message I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are in me Father and I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know that you sent me. I've revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. And then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. This is the word of God for us tonight. Lord, take this word and just plant it like a seed in our hearts. May we have soft and receptive hearts tonight for what you want to say to us. And as we consider the fact that Jesus prayed for those around him and prayed for us, may we too become people who are of prayer for others. As Christ prayed for others, may we too pray for others, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grab a seat. So tonight what we want to talk about as we finish this uh, facet of the series, as we want to talk about that little phrase, we've all said it, it goes like this. Hey, I'll pray for you. You see that? 
I'll be praying for you. I'll be sure to pray for you. When we say that, what are we signing ourselves up for? When we say that, what are we actually intending to do? <laughs> hey, I'm um, Phil. I know you're new here, but like this is a rhetoric. This is uh, this is. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're going to get to speak heaps. Just, just give me my two minutes here. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. What we want to do tonight is we want to open up a bit of a conversation from some, uh, some beautiful people, actually. Um, one who's already started to contribute tonight. <laughs> I want to welcome uh, Phil and Bronte. Phil and Bronte, why don't you come on up and come and join me up here. Why don't we say welcome? Come on, guys. And we're going to have a chat. We're going to have a bit of a forum evening tonight just for this next little while. And we're going to talk about this phrase, uh, praying for others, and explore it a little bit. Um, but before we do, uh, you guys are uh, probably strangers to a lot of people in this room. It would be wonderful for you to introduce yourselves, tell a bit of your story, and just um, catch us up a little bit with life for Phil and Bron Tate. It would be wonderful. Okay. Um, Go for it. Uh, 44 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, been a Christian, I've been a Christian for 45. Um, we met and married. Um, I'd come from a totally different, from a totally non-church background um, and had a very powerful conversion um, at the end of the 70s. Uh, quite supernatural in nature in lots of ways um, and uh, was trans pretty much transformed you know I had this incredible audible voice um, speak to me it wasn't audible to anyone else um, and uh, it was life-changing anyway we met we married um, it was very much the city girl marrying the country boy and um, <laughs> and uh, and um, our life's been a huge adventure. We have travelled. We Soon after we got married, we went to India and Sri Lanka, preached in tea estates, did all sorts of things. I'd only been a Christian for six months, you know, and we think that's weird, but it's probably more normal. And um, we lived, I don't know if you know YWAM, we lived in a houseboat at the back of the central station in Amsterdam, uh, which took in, this was 1980, took in Western travellers, everyone used to go to Amsterdam, not just for the art gallery, and, um, and we ran a kind of a friendship ministry with those boats that was under YWAM. Then we, uh, while we were there, they said they wanted someone to run a house in India, uh, some of you, uh, they used to, um, in YRAM used to open houses in Goa, Delhi, Kathmandu um, and Afghanistan before it closed down to take in Western people who are over there searching and um, so we ran a house in India for three years. Uh, we took a baby to India, we had a baby in India and um, had the most amazing time really of actually seeing people. We took in a lot of people who were on heroin and because uh, if you're a Western traveller and you get over to India, heroin's cheap, uh, but their hospitals don't want to know you. And uh, because of a lot of the things, the conditions there, people would end up very sick. And the embassies used to actually send us people. And people would be repatriated. A lot of people would have breakdowns. Um, like, going, you know, it was truly the place where if you're outside the bounds of your own culture 
our, you know, to feel a little bit unhinged. India is the place. And um, had some wonderful, saw some amazing um, things, had a lot of disappointments, and uh, it was just a wonderful experience to three, spend three years in this purposeful community. The whole purpose was discipleship. And so everyone that came in there was part of the house, and at varying stages, some had no faith at all, some ended up with faith, some left without faith, um, some totally transformed, some transformed and then went back to the life they'd had, but it was just this incredible experience, and it was nothing like, we hadn't seen anything like that before. Do you want to take the bit where we came back to New Zealand now? How much time do you have? Keep going. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> this is, you're allowed to speak now. This is, this is, it's all you. Um, we came back to New Zealand, and we've been very adventurous couple. We sort of, we'd sort of just hear God and go and sort of think of the consequences later. And, but we came back to New Zealand and we've, we've worked in the church. Uh, we worked in the Anglican church and I've, we've trained, I trained also as a Baptist pastor. I came to Auckland in 1989, uh, did three years here. We've been a Baptist pastor. We've, we've been in different churches, really, in different streams. Um, but, our, but our heart has been for uh, sort of, we're both pastoral um, we, we both love people. Um, we both actually are preachers. Um, Bron, I was a preacher mainly in the Baptist church, but then woman didn't speak in those days and we had a prophetic ministry came in one day and just said, Bron, you're going to start speaking and she started preaching and so she preached. Um, I have a, a particular heart for the prophetic um, ministry as well, gifts of the Holy Spirit. But in this time also we had um, a very, very painful part of our lives our second son, Greg, who was born in India. Uh, and it'd be a whole story in itself to talk about him, but he he developed autism, uh, quite severe autism. And uh, we went through a very, very hard time with him. And yet at the same time, we were serving God. We were running a church. We, we still wanted to serve God, but we had this whole reality going on. And at 14 years of age, he had to go into care. In those days, it, we just weren't coping. And you had to, in those days, class him as an abandoned child. He wasn't an abandoned child, but there was some category. It was a terrible way. But we had to go into care, which just broke our hearts. We were just, um, we had a young woman staying with us in the house, and she said she would wake at night, and she you'd hear us crying, you know, that he'd, Greg, you know, because Greg had left us and it was just so painful. And uh, he's been in care, yeah, for many years since and it's it very, it's, it's a strange thing. It's such a painful part of our lives and yet we sort of have great joy in our lives as well and great freedom in life and ministry. So it, I don't know how to sort of, <laughs> how that all works, but we have both. We have the reality of his his pain, and um, we see him every used to three weeks. Yeah, do you want to talk? Yeah. Um, Use that mic there, Bron. I guess one thing I, you know, when I was talking to Dan, I said, "How about we talk about um apparently unanswered prayer?" Um, so of course, you know, we were believers, and we got the diagnosis, and our perfect, healthy, beautiful-looking boy. It was kind of hard to believe. Um, and we didn't understand what it encompassed. Also, autism was, had just been recently... There were only two people in Taranaki with autism. 
evidently, at the time. So I guess we never knew what the journey was going to be ahead of us. He's 40 now, and... Um, and he'd been normal up until the time, apparently normal, up until the time he was about two and a half. It was really when we came home from India, we started to notice his speech wasn't developing and things. Um, and he certainly progressed and became pretty unmanageable, really. But what do you do? <laughs> you know, you can lie down on the floor and scream, but someone's got to still do it. So somehow, and I think it's that, I thought of that verse when you were reading it from John 17, we are in him and he is in us. And I couldn't tell you that I was ever consciously aware that Jesus was helping us with Gregory, but he is in us and we are in him. And so separation is actually an illusion, isn't it? But we kind of live in that illusion. And the biggest part of our life I think we need to navigate is actually to realise there is no separation between us and Jesus. And he is with us. He is Emmanuel. But it, I think it's like practising the presence. It's practising that. But I just want to share with you something which I think will really right. illustrate. I've got some pictures of Greg. That's Greg, the first one. The second one is Gregory with Lovey. We have two other boys. Uh, one's a friend of Dan's. He's a pastor, him and his wife. They've got four children. And we have another son who's 35 and he's got two children. But all these years that Greg's been in care, we've had Gregory home every couple of weeks. And we kind of have special routines we do, which involves watching Thomas the Tank Engine for six hours at least. And uh, Ron Cannoli. Okay, <laughs> Greg's never de developed in his never faith. He's never moved on from Ron Cannoli, and you mightn't even know who he is. That's but uh, it's, Ancient of Days. Yes. That's, well, that's, well, that's, well, that's who that is. So, <laughs> so we're desperately going to get onto some noise cancelling headphones, I think. So that's what our time consists of. He loves trains, Phil takes him on the train, we have, we eat the same things, we do all that and we have a happy time with him. Um, and over the years he's been locked in jail because we couldn't get help for him. He's been put in a psych hospital and they didn't actually know how to deal with him. Um, the things that have happened over our lifetime with this beautiful boy who was so desperate and just desperately trying to escape whatever pain he was in by screaming or pushing or and the reason we had to put him into care is he became extremely violent with us and was biting us and scratching us and, and our other two sons were suffering greatly. Um, in all this time, we were still part of the church and we love the church. I mean, the church. We love the Bride of Christ. There is no plan B. We absolutely love it. And we love it. I mean, I am loving being here. I'm truly, I mean, I don't think I could do another shift, but I would come to this church if I lived here. And, um, <laughs> but um, so when we, fin we, we planted a church in Almaty, um, when we were 60 and it went extremely well. We had a wonderful time, but we got to a stage where we thought we don't want to run a church anymore. Mm. You know, we just don't want that kind of responsibility. It's a particular kind of joy and sorrow. And <laughs> Very particular. And one of our roles now is to actually look after pastors yeah, and, uh, you know, we love doing it. We can be the grandparents now. 
And so the big thing when we thought we were going to shift back to Christ, I just want to tell you that we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and people would give us helpful suggestions like, have you tried herb tea? And I said, I'd paint the house with it if I thought it would work, you know. Um, and people have come and said, have you prayed for demons? Like We said, we've done the lot. You know, he was born in India, but we never mentioned it because people would just latch onto it. Okay, it was when he heard this or this happened or when the crow flew at three o'clock in the morning and, the, <laughs> and someone shouted. Yeah. But we honestly didn't personally feel any different spiritually in India than we did here. Uh, we loved our time in India. So for years, and then we, we stopped kind of praying. Uh, we stopped that kind of praying, of praying for him to be healed. But he was, it was always in our hearts. Mm. And I guess we came to a place of acceptance. And the big thing for us is when we decided we were shifting to Christchurch, we're going back to Christchurch after being at Ramati. So this is like two years last ago? Year? Last year. Last, last year. year. Is every time we thought about shifting Gregory, we'd just both start weeping. And people would say, I suppose it's because Gregory doesn't like the change. And we're like, we can't do it again. We can't go to another agency, have to prove that our boy <laughs> actually needs this care, have to sit through another assessment. We just can't do it. It takes months, it takes paperwork, and you know, we understand all that, but when you've done so many of them, especially being such adventurous, he's always shifted to where we were. So we decided, what are we going to do? We're just going to have to come up every three weeks and see Gregory, you know, because he will not cope if he does not have this routine. Anyway, Nick, our eldest son, said to us, well, how about we take Gregory? We start looking after Gregory. Up until this point, we kept him away from the grandchildren because he is 115 kilos and six foot, and when he becomes anxious, he gets... Honestly, he, he has like this brain thing mm. and starts shouting and yelling and banging things. And I just couldn't bear my grandchildren to have to witness that and then also want them to love Gregory um, because wow. they just weren't old enough to. They knew about him, but we didn't mix it. And uh, Nick said, no, I think my children are old enough now. His oldest is 15, there's one who's 13, there's one who's 11 and one who's nine. And uh, we want to try and have him. And, uh, wow. wow, and talk about God has done more than we could hope or think. We gave them all these things like, Gregory doesn't like this, and Gregory doesn't like that, don't give him this kind of food, and blah, blah. But no, he went to Nick's house, he ate everything they gave him. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, has he been fooling us for 40 flipping years? <laughs> We're like, no, no, Greg's got to have spaghetti bolognese at four o'clock on a Thursday. <laughs> and, um, but the interesting thing was, is that Greg loves it and the children love him. And this little girl, Lovey, whose name is um, Olivia Tiaraha Manawa, um, uh, she absolutely loves him. And she's got him, she's doing his colours with him at the moment. He only has one colour, purple. So everything you say is purple, purple, <coughs> purple. But she's hoping to get his colours. But I guess what I want to illustrate is God didn't heal the prayers 
that we had for Gregory to be healed, to live the kind of life we wanted for him. Because I guess we think that the kind of life we have is the life everyone should have. Because in God's sight, Gregory's intact. In his spirit, he's intact. Um, his theology is pretty wonky, though. We asked him <laughs> who who put Jesus on the cross, and he said William. William was the dog. So forget it, everyone. Don't repent again. It was all William's fault. Um, we've had a lot of very amusing times with Gregory over the years with his echolalia, because he'll just repeat things um, totally out of context in random places. And um, anyway, that's just like another whole story. But um, and what has happened is, is there's a beautiful scripture in Ecclesiastes and it says he makes all things beautiful in his time. Mm. Not all things are beautiful. It's not beautiful that Greg's autistic. It's not beautiful that Greg doesn't get to enjoy a family relationship or the love of a woman or any of those things. That's not beautiful that Greg's anxious. But God can make all things beautiful. And you know, he hasn't healed Gregory, but he's actually healed us. Wow. And he's, his brother, Nick, who's just a year older than him, went through hell. Our boys went through hell with Gregory. They couldn't dare bring their friends home. Greg used to be quite a, um, he'd come out of the toilet with all his clothes off, you know, every part, and just start yelling and shouting. Those boys suffered so much. And that was another one of the reasons that we had Gregory put into care. But it was one of the most painful decisions that we ever made. And yet God said to us, there's a way out. It's funny how you, you think the way out's got to be something you'd think was okay. I thought, how could God think it's okay for our boy to go into care for strangers to look after him? But it was a way out. Mm -hmm. And um, God has done so much he has made all things beautiful. Oh. And the brothers love him, his, the children love him. And one of our greatest fear was when we die, who's gonna look after Gregory? And we're almost sort of like throwing him with us, you know? Um, and there was many times, to be honest, where we would say, I wish he could be beamed up. And uh, mainly that was because we were struggling and we didn't know what to do. And I'd think, if he could just be taken, Lord, if we, can't, we don't know what to do. Mm. And we don't know what to do, do we? We really don't. That's, and we have to come to Jesus. And yet, you know, I've read this beautiful book lately, which Gentle and Lowly by um, Dane Ortmund. Honestly, it's the most beautiful um, exegesis of that verse, Come to Me. Yeah. And he just talks about the fact that we don't actually go to Jesus. Sometimes we go everywhere else. And, you know, and it's not just to get the exchange and all that. It's actually to unburden ourselves of our sorrow. Um, so God has done a wonderful thing. That's Lovey and Greg on the bridge in Palmerston North, just walking there. Now, he would never normally hold hands with someone. They, she, he lets her hug him, everything. Yeah. And it's, I mean, she's an amazing young woman. She really is. But it's something miraculous to us yeah. that this nine-year-old girl could take this gentle giant and she she's planning things from all the time planned his 40th birthday typical uh -huh. autistics birthday no one there except him and us you know <laughs> just a lot of food yeah but sorry anyway i'll probably that, uh, no i think that that has um that has just completely opened up the conversation we're about to have 
because you've done mission trips, you've looked after churches, you've done pastoral work. I think you said you're a, you're a policeman yeah. before all of that, weren't you, Phil? Yeah. And hospice nurse. Hospice nurse before. So it's like there's, there's so much skill set and work that you bring to this conversation as we talk about prayer for this next yeah. little, you know, little bit of tonight. But that story, I think, opens up, doesn't it, and says, oh, actually, you've lived something. And it's the living of it that's it's so precious as you've, you've wrestled with this. And so I, I guess this is the, the first question of, of two big questions I want to ask you tonight. The first question, just for this next little while, is this. is like, how do you, how do you pray for someone else? Like, what's going on there? Mm. So I, I know in the Bible it's talked about as intercession mm. or petition. Just give us, like, you know, after all of these years, what's, what's the gold? What's the, what's the gold standard stuff when it comes to this for you guys? What, do you, what, what comes to mind quickly mm. and... Yeah. Do you mean praying for others, or so, praying for yourself? You just pray, share about yeah. your yeah. Yeah, I'll just share a little bit about my journey um, with prayer. I actually struggled with prayer a lot. I, um, I think a lot of us are good at theory of prayer, yeah. and I read books about prayer, but I struggled with it in practice. And I, I remember... Uh, probably 25 years ago or 30 years ago, I had a prophecy given to me that, that this woman said to me, you struggle with prayer. You feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. God is going to give you a spirit of prayer. And I didn't know what a spirit of... It sounded like some sort of term. Um, but I could understand, identify, I struggled. My prayers, I, I prayed, I did it out of duty, but I didn't sense any connection or intimacy. And... Uh, but it was probably um, yeah, soon after that time, I went on a journey with prayer. I think it was, I was striking, I was in my, in my early 40s, and I was going through a number of issues. We had the issue of Greg, and then I had the issue of my other sons were going through some issues. And they weren't major stuff, but they were troubling me. I was going through issues with... Um, my work and myself and my stage of life and I had struggled with anxiety and fears and I had depression issues I struggled with and I thought well I'm Christian but I'm not am I living what it's meant to be and uh, I want to encourage you if you go through a difficult time bring it as a time for a new time of prayer and so I I started praying in a different way and I, I'd heard about confession of scriptures, but I never did it. I, you know, it was sort of great, great in theory. <laughs> Someone else can do it. But I started <laughs> confessing scriptures. I started speaking over my boys, um, the word of the Lord over my sons, over my life against, there had been a, like a depression in our family line. My grandfather had had a breakdown. He'd put, been in a psych hospital for two years. My older brother had a breakdown and I thought I was going that way. And I, I stood against this generational stuff. I, I prayed against all the stuff and I started declaring the word of the Lord. Mm. Nothing changed initially. And I want to encourage you with prayer, it doesn't happen overnight, and, but you've got to get into a rhythm, you've got to persevere. And so I kept persevering. But probably I think after about six months, something really, really changed in me. Um, I, I felt different. I, I, don't, I couldn't describe it. I felt happier. I felt freer. And I thought, had I had a deliverance? I didn't feel a demon had gone out, but something had changed. And then my sons, my youngest son, he was just sort of stupid stuff. And he, he said to me one day, Dad, I don't know where I've been, but I'm coming back to the Lord. And he was crying. And I, and I thought, wow, some things are happening in prayer. Mm. <laughs> and the other son was happening in my job. I felt happier. I just started. 
And in this process, I also started to pray a lot in tongues. I'd prayed, I'd always prayed in tongues, but it was sort of an add-on. And so I started to pray a lot, and I got really into this. What I did in this whole process is, is I think for prayer is for you to have an intimacy, you to have a connection and enjoyment with God, that when you pray for others, it feels like you're coming out of a well. Um, rather than think, I've got to pray for someone. Oh, I don't want to pray. And I don't want to, oh, I've got to conjure this up. But I, I, I find because I flow in that and because it's part of my lifestyle. So coming to pray for others is like that kind of flowing out of my heart. And plus I, I, tend, to, I tend to mix Praying for people with prophecy. I love praying for prophetic ministry. So I ended up often prophesying over people as well. Sure. So I don't know if I've answered the question, uh, have I? That's beautiful. <laughs> I've, I've that you've got that lovely thing with the prayer garden. Yeah. yeah. What I started doing in this, the word of the Lord, when I started confessing scriptures, I started memorizing scriptures. And I started, I, this is the way I defined it. I'm going to plant gardens in my mind. Right. And I planted gardens. I've got gardens about the the, word, the blood of Jesus, the cross. The I've got gardens about financial provision. I've got gardens about um, freedom, um, all the work of the cross. Uh, and so what I do is I go into these gardens and I bring up scriptures that I've memorized and I, I try to meditate on them. I try to, I try, I think it's very good to stay declare scriptures. It's something about speaking them out that you hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. I'm hearing the word of the Lord. So I declare them, I speak them, I meditate on them. And then I go into flowing in tongues. Um, but so I'll just, I'll weave into these gardens and I add, and I've memorized um, chapters of the Bible. I, I, and I, and Memorise is only one step, but it does, it means that I can walk down the road and I can bring up Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Um, I, I can bring up scriptures and then I can think of them and, and just even meditate. So, yeah, I call so, them my gardens. So, I love that, Phil. So, often when I, I think what people think about when we say, let's pray for other people, yeah. they think, I've got to make something happen. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but what you're actually saying here is, no, there's actually a well. Yeah, well. Or a gar yeah. gardens. I love that phrase. I think that's just stunning. Like gardens of these things. Yeah. And you're saying, so if someone's walking along yeah. in life and, and you had coffee with them and they're just down, yeah. you're not just kind of conjure up some, no. some optimism for them here. <laughs> You've actually got this well, these gardens of scripture, of, of Psalms, mm. So it's like there's actually an archive that you're actually yeah. pulling through. Yeah, it is. That's what's happening. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's amazing how... Just use that mic there, Bron. Sorry. sorry. How much easier it is for God to speak to you when you've actually swallowed some resources. It's the same with everything else we do, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> if you go, you know, so... And I find that when I meditate on scriptures, often the scripture that when Jesus will give me to meditate on, I'll be able to use that in many different contexts with people and say, oh, I, and God will say, share that, share that. So it's not this, oh, shoot, what are we going to say here? Um, one thing too we just talked briefly about was the power of intercession. Um, you know, in Romans 8, and I've never, I haven't actually seen this or heard it, 
but it talks about the spirit allows us to groan. There's groanings and sort of wailings too deep for words. And that, I believe, is the travail and the lamentation of the soul. But have do we do it? We went through a very painful time, um, and it was painful because of love. Yeah. It's as simple as that. We just loved these people that were in the church. We took them kind of into our family, we, and there was no problem to do it. We absolutely loved them, and it all went up the creek, and, um, <laughs> and maybe we helped it go up the creek. Who knows, you know? We've looked back, and what did we do? How did we contribute? Um, and the pain of that was so incredible that I used to, it was the COVID sort of time, I used to go for walks and I actually just wailed. Wow. And something in that helped heal me. But I just want to tell you this, it's not kind of related to the story, but it is fabulous. Um, <laughs> go, go on then. <laughs> let me loose. Um, my father's Welsh. You know, ran away from Wales when he was 16 because he didn't want to go down the mines in the Rhonda Valley. And, um, you know, met my mother, married her, came out here. And he left when we were really young. And so we had very little to do with him or our Welsh heritage. Now, when we went through this very painful time, I was out sort of hoping like, heck, no one else was out, sort of groaning and wailing, but I decided I'd just tell them, I'm, I'm crying out to God, you know? Right. I'm desperate. And I was desperate not to feel the way I felt. I felt kind of like, why has this affected me so badly? You know, when things are affecting us, we do need to ask ourselves some questions. I mean, some things are just tragic. But when other things are happening, like what is this, what's going on in here? And uh, my very good friend, she came and I love, uh, God speaks to me in dreams. I love dreams. I ask for dreams. I've had some beautiful dreams. And God has been able to encourage me. Um, he's been able to align me in the most amazing ways uh, through my dreams. And God's given me dreams for other people. So she said, she said, I, I saw you, I had a dream about you when you were in a puddle and you were face down and you were dying. You were taking in the water and you were dying. And she's actually an intercessor. She said, I picked you up and I started shouting at you in tongues, which is her normal behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's mother. Sure. And she said, and over in the corner I looked and there was a Welsh choir singing in Welsh to you. And as they sang, the breath came back into your body. Wow. Wow. So a lot of the pain that I felt over those people was the rejection from my childhood. All the things we go through in life trigger things. I mean, in the 60s and you're still, and it's not like I go around, I felt crippled by that in any way. Mm. But God bought a Welsh choir singing in Welsh and I felt the next three days I just listened to Welsh hymns, which are amazing, yeah, in yeah. Welsh, and I felt I could understand it. Don't ask me what it meant, but it felt in my spirit because it's in my bones, you know, a girl from the valleys. And that, I believe, is the kind of intercession that we are needing. I believe that's the kind of intercession we are needing. Yeah. 
that God would give dreams. I just, I mean, I love this church, you know, and I, I know that I fall in love easily. But, um, <laughs> so don't get too carried away. Um, but there's a beautiful scripture in the Song of Songs, and it's, let the north wind blow on your garden. Now, the north wind over in the other side of the world is actually the wonderful wind. And I felt that the north wind is going to blow on this garden. And there's going to be fragrances that come out from this garden which are unusual, which are almost, um, you know, like when you first taste pomegranates, you're like, flat, where, where have I been? Uh, that are like from the east these beautiful fragrance, calamus and bergamot and all kinds of things. I just think there's a beautiful perfume that's going to blow on your garden. Maybe the south wind's blowing on the garden and we're all feeling a bit like, flip, get me some steaks to prop me up. Hmm. But no, I believe now's the season of the north wind coming on this beautiful garden. It's a beautiful garden here. It's a truly beautiful garden. It's, I had a word for Dan last year and I saw the sign kind of above the church, Samaritan's Inn, and just the whole story of the man on the road and how he got taken to the Samaritan's Inn. And I just believe that this garden is going to actually be incredibly fruitful and it's going to feed and tend to and use beautiful fragrances to heal people, the balm of Gilead, all those kind of things. So... We'll take that. Yeah, we all take that. We'll take that, right? Okay. But you know, the perfume is only what comes out of us when we're crushed, usually. Yeah. So, Bron, we, we have a thing called Fasting Wednesday, yeah. um, which is on our Church Centre app. This is a little plug for those of you who aren't part of it yet. But um, we have a prayer group. Every Wednesday we're doing fasting prayers. And, and that scripture about um, about uh, the, the woman coming and breaking her alabaster jar, that was a, a big theme sort of for the last two weeks in this church. And a couple of weeks ago we had three people give words in, individually about that. So um, I think we'll just take all of that just sort of scoop all that in yeah, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Can I ask you, I'm, I'm aware of time. Yeah. I want to ask you one other question that I think is really important. And, and, and this question I think is going to be really helpful and practical. All right, so this is the practical moment, everyone, all right? Yeah. How do you pray for somebody? Because like right now, you guys are doing pastoral care mm. stuff a lot with people. And yeah. so I, I guess you, you probably catch up with someone and they need mm. prayer. Or walk to the front of church during the end of church to pray for somebody, and and, and we're a community stretching into that. You know, like we're, we're trying to get we're trying to get more at home with 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 having moments where we, we gather around each other and pray for each other. Um, how do you do it? So like, I, I, could I just be really bold and could I just go like, could you just pray for me now? Yeah, sure. And 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 like I'll be a uber guinea pig, and, yeah. and everyone can just. Take notes or something. I don't know. Like, is this? Okay. Will this? I guess this will work. I think it'll work. Yeah. But but I, I guess There's just. Probably be a lot of things. To but just to be super that. practical, like yeah. There's. <laughs> let's let's keep mind. this is let's keep, let's keep it um. Let's keep the, the the safe version of this prayer. That'll be great. But I guess I guess um. You guys really carry that, and that's why we asked you to come. And and hearing all the things you've already shared has, has been beautiful and gold. But yet, there's so much of this that's kind of like, it's just got to be caught, not mm. necessarily taught. We can't kind of put up the five points on the slides and no, it you know, we're work. all going to get it. Mm. So I don't know. I just wonder, like, could we just okay. take five more minutes? Yeah. And we'll pray could, for you. Could you pray for me? Could yeah, you show sure. me how this works? Yeah, okay. 
Right, well, Dan's come to us, all right? So we're up the front. Dan's come to us looking pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what do you want me to do? Do you want me yeah. just to stand here? Yeah, yeah. well, just stand there, yeah. yeah. So usually in the mo I think the most important thing is to actually engage with someone when they come up, like actually give them eye contact. And, um, don't rush into press. And don't, yeah, we often, I'd often just stand there and, uh, and then just like, oh, you know, because usually they've come up in response to someone. So just saying like, Dan... What's going on? Yeah, then? can you tell us what's going on? What's kind of brought you up here this morning? What's brought you up? to show everybody else how you yeah. can pray for somebody. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no. Um, the church is born. <laughs> yeah, the church. I guess, like, even just to be purely mm. honest in this moment, it's like this has just been a really long, yeah. hard oh, yeah. and tiring yeah. season. Yeah. And I just want more of the Lord's presence in the Absolutely. midst as we finish the year. Yeah. I want to finish well. Yeah. And I want us to finish... With, with full hearts, not empty ones. Oh. So. Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay about us laying hands on you, putting hands on course, you? Of course. Sure. So. So, so what we will do is just to just, pray, yeah. just to ask the Holy Spirit to come yeah. and touch and just lift that season off or, yeah. But also you usually explain a bit to people that you, God, you know, yeah. you, God gives you words and yeah. encouragements and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, so what, ha what happens with me mm. is I'll start to pray and then I end up sort of prophesying just to the way it works, but I just explain to people that mm. I often get words um, as I'm praying for you, I'll pray about this issue, but I, mm. but I also will pray and God will often give me a, mm. a prophetic word. Yeah. So, yeah, Dan, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for Dan, mm. Lord. We thank you for this man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this innkeeper, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I pray that the season that he's been in will be, mm. there'll be a change of the weather, Lord. There'll mm. be a change of everywhere we go, you take the weather with us as a song. And I, I mm. pray that the weather, mm. yes, there'll be a movement mm. of the weather and the season. And Spron said of those fragrant spices, mm. I speak over the church, Lord, that you release your mm. fragrance of mm. spices yes. over this church. That Thank you. Say, Father, I... Mm. I thank you that you've promised you'll, you'll bind up our wounds. And um, mm. it talks about how you, uh, you do allow us to be wounded, Lord. You allow us to be wounded. You allow the things that happen to touch us, mm. not because you want to hurt us. That's just part of living here and being on this earth and part of the fall. But Father, I pray you would visit Dan. I pray you would give him a dream. I pray you would give him a dream, Lord. Mm. And in that dream, Father, he'll feel scooped up by you. He'll have a dream that he may not be able to ex explain, but he'll answer every question in his heart, Lord. I thank you for him. I thank you for him. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. It talks in Acts 4 that times of refreshing mm. came upon them. And Lord, we, we need times of refreshing. Yeah. Pray for times of refreshing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.
I, I've prayed for you before, but I can't exactly remember all the things I've said, but I just feel that you are an incredibly pastoral man. You're very, very, you love the team. You're a very, very good team leader. You're a very good mm. team person. You, you love the team and you love working in the team and you're going to have an amazing team in this place. Mm. There's something about just your your mind and the way you think. I feel there's something about you theologically that you love theological. You need to be continually challenged theologically. There's something of your learning and your reading that you're going to be a person that can devour, almost take books and sort of dissect them and analyse them and, and you'll be able to integrate whole lots of different teachings. You seem to have the skill of integrating different mm. people and it's and uh, you're going to be able to just absorb lots of truth about healing, about mm. relationships. And um, also I feel in this that you've read other books, but I feel God's going to, you're going to write your book. I feel there's something of you writing, something of you um, writing um, stuff, your own version of things mm. and I just release over him writing mm. um, I, language mm. you have a love for language, a love for um, the theology I feel that you you just need to keep learning theologically mm. and mm. keep being challenged, you need to be challenged your mind needs to be challenged by the word of God, by mm. the theological things and wrestle, I feel that you mm. that you have amazing ability to hold a whole lot of theological truth and tension and so mm. I just bless him, I just I just pray, Lord, this mm. next season will just be just a wonderful season. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Dan, is any of this mm. resounding with you? Or And we usually always do this, mm. say to people, now, if that doesn't kind of resound mm. with you, you know, let it drop to the ground or perhaps put it away and you can look at it later because you can actually share things with people, but they it's up to them to receive them. And they might say, no, that makes no sense at all, or, hey, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, it but it's important to be checking in with the person. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, so... Does Is it oh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> yeah. Makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it makes it's good. Sense. Okay. It makes and sense. Lord, he came asking to be filled up. Yeah. He Follow said up. he wants to get to the end of the year and feel full, not empty. And, Lord, we just want to say that we don't want to be a people that just get into the narrative of, hey, we're exhausted, it's Christmas. We actually want to be people who come joyously to this time. We want to be people who come into this Advent season so grateful, so grateful for what you brought us through, so joy-filled about the incarnation. Yeah. And that the joy of the Lord will be our strength in this season. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. 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 It's, quite, it's quite a real experience, that one. We were only kidding. I guess, um, I guess if I could reflect back, what I'm noticing would be you guys don't really, um, like I said before, it's not about kind of coming and sort of just trying to will something up, up. and conjuring make, it up. Yeah, it's it, yeah. not about making something happen. It's about going, we're here, we see you, we want to join you into what yeah. the Lord's doing. Doing, yeah. 
And, and in doing that, there's this mix of almost scriptures or, mm. or words or encouragements. Yeah. or Mix um, the whole thing yeah, together. Yeah, and even if I could even just talk about the body contact, I yeah. think there's something beautiful about even yeah. um, sort of holding someone and, and asking, obviously, yeah. to do that first. Don't, don't just rush off and do that. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but there is something almost very tactile and tangible yeah. about that presence, isn't there? And so thank you for that. Thank mm. you so much, guys. Was that helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was very legitimate. That was sort of, let's see how that works, you know, and um, thank you for that. Just, just on the whole prophetic, I think often we get this mysterious thing about the prophetic that it's some sort of booming voice or I just get some thoughts, impressions, and I just like my thoughts almost, and then I just step into them and, uh, and trust that they are. I, I just want to encourage you to, to pray. When you're praying for people, believe that God can use you and speak yes. through you. And yeah, just be, mm. so, so I think like we're, we're, we're running out of time, and yeah. it's, it's, it's frustrating that we're running out of time. You can come again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. But, but I wonder if there is a, just a, a moment here to, um, to grab. Uh, the food, you know, the food will be fine. We can just wait a little bit longer for the food. Um, Donald, could you maybe just jump up and hold us in this moment? And could we all stand? And yeah. I, I hope you can. I hope this, there's, there's, there's some things in this evening that have grabbed you. Um, I hope you. I hope you're taking something home with you. But more than that, I hope you'd experience something even now. Yeah. Uh, of God's love for you yeah. and His reality towards you. Um, and last week after Strawn spoke, we had that sense of the prophetic being mm. that um, that sense of like the, the bells are the bells are um, mm. calling, and, and and for some of you it was like it's time it's time to respond to the, the time of prayer and, and so on. And I just wonder if it's another moment of that now. And so Phil and Bron, I, I know this is kind of like the communal version of what mm. you kind of just did for me, but. I wonder if this is something just sitting in this moment that for the next little yeah, few minutes um, we could lean into. We would really love to pray for anyone that wanted to be prayed for. We would we would happily go without pizza <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yeah. Because we can talk, we can bring our wisdom, but it's the mysterious thing that happens when we actually say, we submit to you, God. We want your wisdom. We know one sentence of yours can break through, can change someone's life. And prayer is all of those things. It's conversation with people. It's But we, there's something incredible that God just, you know, He, he wants us to pray for each other. He wants us to be vulnerable with each other. He wants us to support each other. And that's, that's what prayer is. So we would love to pray with you if anyone wants to come up and have any kind of prayer.